You're listening to the Fresh Hell Podcast. Fresh Hell contains stories of a disturbing and often graphic nature and is intended for a mature audience. Please don't let your kids listen to this, or they might turn out like us. Hi, friends. I'm Annie in Massachusetts. And I'm Johanna in Austria. Thanks for joining us for another episode of your favorite international podcast. Before we start, we would like to give another huge shout out to our newest patron members. Uh, yeah, a huge special thanks to uh, Tail or... T Do you think it's Tail or Tale? Tail. Hmm. Thank you. And then we've got Cynthia Kuno, Tammy Caldera, Sue Mering Moreau, Amanda Sale, Katie Pratt, and Beverly Lucht, and also Suzanne PC. So thank you so much to all of you. We can't tell you how much we appreciate it. Also, Beverly, thank you so much for your book. It came yesterday. You don't know how much I appreciate it. It was such a lovely gesture. Thank you again. And Beverly, it's funny because she messaged me and she said, I got the nicest book from somebody about, you know, meditations on grieving. And I, not to laugh, but I, I started laughing and I sent her a picture of a book and I was like, is it this one? And it's the same one that I had <laughs> bought to send to her. It's a really good book. So great minds think alike. We, we have the best listeners. Yes, we do. So today we have a big case. And today we're going to talk about the disappearance of Madeline McCann. There is some newer information in this case now. And this was another one like the Rebecca Zahau case where before we decided to look more deeply into this, I really thought one thing and now I believe something else. How about you? I think I changed my mind on this case so many times, I lost count. It's like every time you make up your mind about what happened to that poor girl, some new information comes to light and you're like, huh, well, maybe it's completely different than what I thought. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we're going to do this in two parts, not 20. So... If this is your first time listening to us, this is a little bit different than our normal episodes, but we are going to do our best to go through a very complicated case, just sort of focusing on the most important facts of the case as we understand them. And there are a lot of podcasts and documentaries out there that are solely dedicated to this case, mm -hmm. and you can take a deep dive. We are not going to get that detailed. I know usually we are the super detailed info people, but today, just because of the nature of this case and how much info there is, Hopefully, we cover the really important stuff, and then we'll see how we all feel at the end. So that makes sense, yeah? All right. So we have three main possibilities here in terms of what might have happened to Madeline McCann. And don't worry if you don't even know what we're talking about. You will in a minute. But here are the, the three theories. The first was that her parents did something directly or indirectly that led up to Madeline's probable accidental death, which they then covered up. You know, theory one, the parents did it. It was all their fault, and they hid it and covered it up. The second theory is is sort of like, it reminds me of the Asia Degree case. Mm -hmm. So the second theory is she wakes up in a strange room, wanders out of the apartment looking for her parents who aren't there, and had an accident or met with foul play as a result. And then, of course, the third theory is that Madeline was taken. Exactly. Right. So let's get into the case and we will warn you, we'll be discussing a missing child and of course every awful thing that can possibly go with it, like pedophilia, rape, 
Yeah, that's also yeah. we'll be touching on. Yeah, yeah. Some of that not till the next episode, but you know how things go. Like every case we, we cover, it's just going to be terrible. All right, so here we go. This is an episode on the disappearance of Madeline McCann. Madeline Beth McCann was born on the 12th of May, 2003, in Leicester, England. Both of Madeline's parents are doctors. Her father, Jerry, is originally from Glasgow, where the couple met, and he's a doctor in Leicester. He works as a consulting cardiologist. Kate was from Liverpool. She had worked as an OBGYN and then had also worked in anesthesiology before she had children, at which point she began to work part-time as a doctor in a family practice, so like a general practitioner. And she is taking care of the couple's three children. So Madeline is their firstborn. She is three, but she's a week away from her fourth birthday. And she has two younger siblings. They are twins, and their names are Amelie and Sean, and they are two years old. It's the spring 2007 when the McCann family go on vacation to Portugal with three other families. There would be nine adults and eight children in total in this holiday. And they used a popular uh, UK travel company called Mark Warner. And I think they're a travel company where they own they own a bunch of the properties. Do you know what I mean? So like they own there's a Mark Warner you know property yeah, yeah. here mm-hmm. and one there, and that, that's kind of how it works. And that was the case here. I believe Mark Warner did own the property. I think they're like Thomas Cook in the UK. I know is popular. We don't really have that in the United States, or if we do, I'm just completely ignorant of its existence. But I think they're still fairly popular in England and the UK. Here it's more like on the show The Americans that where it's like little independent travel agencies or AAA has travel stuff. But all of that's a lot less common now with the internet, you know. Do you get those big travel groups, companies in Austria? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They used to be a huge thing, but the internet pretty much made them way less important. I think it's now mostly used by the older generation. You know what I mean? Not not judging anyone or being an ageist, but it's just if you know how to handle the internet internet and you know where to book um yeah i think that they are not that much of a big deal anymore yeah i know sometimes i'm really jealous because my family in the uk will say you know oh well they saw this thing on thomas cook it'll be an insanely small amount of money for like a week in italy and it's like living in america it's like oh man like i can't (laughs) go to new hampshire for that so yeah so there are nine adults in this group. Most are in their 30s, and they are Dr. Kate and Jerry McCann, Dr. Russell O'Brien, his partner Jane Tanner, Dr. Matthew Oldfield and his wife Rachel, who is a former lawyer, and Dr. Fiona Payne and her husband David Payne, and Fiona's mother Diane Webster. And they stay for a week in Praia da Luz, a town in the Algarve region of Portugal, on the south coast that used to be a quaint fishing village and is now a popular tourist destination, especially with people from the UK. They're staying at the Ocean Club, a resort complex made up of condos and villas, and it has pools, tennis courts, uh, a kids club, babysitting service, and restaurants. Everything you need for a relaxing warm vacation with a family, right? Yeah. So the adults in the group were called the Tapas 7 or the Tapas 9. It's depending if they include the McCann's or not, because they had a standing reservation at an on-site Tapas restaurant. And my family does that a lot on vacation, especially when we travel, you know, like my family and Paul's family and my late husband's family will sometimes all travel together. And so it's way easier with a large group to just to make a standing reservation every night Mm. in the same spot, right? Because larger parties, it can be hard to find that availability. And this is especially important if you want a particular table. So apparently in the McCann's case, there was a note on the reservation at the restaurant and it had specified a table where they could see the apartment because they were leaving the children alone. So they had a standing reservation 
and they would eat there every night, taking turns to check on the children who were in bed across the pool area. And we're going to get more into that later. So they have a great week, and on May 3rd, 2007, it's the sixth day of their holiday, which is sadly almost the end. So at 10 a.m., the McCanns drop Madeline and the twins at the Ocean Club's Kids Club, that's the babysitting program for the kids, while Kate and Jerry go for a walk. At 12.30 in the afternoon, Kate and Jerry pick up the kids and head back to the ground floor rented apartment for lunch. And then the family goes to the swimming pool. And the last known photo of Madeline is taken at the pool at 2.29pm. The camera time says 1.29, but the McCann's say it's off by an hour. At 3.30, the kids head back to the kids' club where they'll have their dinner at 5.30. So at 6pm, Kate picks the kids up from the kids' club. And the McCann's have said that the kids were all super tired from a busy day of swimming and playing, which I'm sure was true because there's just no tired like swimming in the sun tired, right? It's a great way to tire out both children and dogs. And it is important to note that they don't pick the kids up because the babysitting area is closing for the night. Babysitting services are available, but the adults in this group decide that it was too disruptive for their children's usual sleeping habits, and so they decide not to use this service for their children. Instead of bringing the kids back to the kids' club, Kate puts the kids to bed. So in the apartment they were renting, there were two bedrooms, and the children are all in the room that's at the front of the apartment. Kate showers and gets ready for dinner and then relaxes with a glass of wine. And in the meantime, while this is all happening, Jerry also returns from his tennis lesson. He gets himself ready for dinner. I think they finish off that bottle of wine, and then they head to the restaurant. They say that they've left the children's window closed and that the shutters are down. Spain and Portugal are among the countries that have these external shutters, which as a napper, I love them. There's like a cord next to the window and you pull it and it lowers these like metal shades outside on the outside of the house and you've got a dark, dark room. The summer that my sister and I spent in Spain, that first day we arrived, we went to sleep that night and slept the entire next day. (laughs) The room was dark. It was was pretty great, although we missed a day. And now with the never-ending migraine, I really, I would like these. But I'm almost certain that these shutters are for light blocking purposes and aren't so much of a security feature. I think... I think just, and I'm only mentioning that because I think in the United States, when we imagine exterior shutters or gates over a door or window, it's usually like pure security. Do you know what I mean? You're, you're, Mm. it's all security. Uh, So we have them too in Austria, but nowadays they are mostly opened and closed via a button. So it's all electrically wired. Oh, now I want it even more remotely. You can even do it via an app on your phone. They are mostly for darkening and, um, you know noise cancelling yeah but also they add a bit of a security level to your home because it can hold up a potential burglar for a while yeah and it would make noise exactly exactly yeah mm-hmm. it would it would draw attention to the area and especially this this window that is in the McCann's children's bedroom it's at the front of It's in an area where people pass by with more regularity. So it Mm -hmm. makes sense that they'd want them down for noise and sound. You would sort of walk past it going from this building that all the families are in the same building to go to the pool or to go to the car park. I think either way, you'd be walking sort of past that. And so they've left those closed against the light and the sound. Um, There's also that main sort of road. I say main road. It's not a highway, but, you know, it's a normally traveled road. Uh, So that's all shut. 
keep it quiet inside, and they leave the door cracked so that they are able to look in on them. By 8.30 that night, they are in the tapas restaurant, and Kate and Jerry are among the first to arrive. The other seven adults in the group will soon join them, and they settle into their usual routine. Each night, for the past five nights, they'd met for their standing reservation, and the parents would check on their kids every 15 to 30 minutes. This was night six. One of the couples had brought a baby monitor, but there was no reception at the restaurant. I'm guessing it was probably too far for that kind of range, right? Baby Mm, monitors don't. You can only go so far with a baby monitor before it's not going to work for you. Okay, so here's the timeline as best as we can work it out. There are always conflicting reports on this case. Yeah. So, Dr. Matt Oldfield arrives for dinner around 9 p.m. and says to the McCanns, who were already there, that he was passing their apartment bedroom window on the way to dinner and all was quiet. At 9.05, Jerry goes to make the first check on the kids. So you'll hear the Tapas 9 often say that the McCann apartment was inside from the Tapas bar and only 50 yards away. But while that's technically true, I think the only thing that could be seen clearly was the roof on the back of the apartment. Yeah. And it was that distance as the crow flies, walking it would take a bit longer, because unless you've got wings or your cheeses, you're going to have to walk around the pool, right? Yeah. So the front entrance and most of the windows, including the children's bedroom windows, were not visible from the restaurant. Jerry gets up from dinner, walks to the right, around the pool, and to the back stairs of the apartment. To do this, he turns left up a public street and then turns left and goes through a gate. If he'd continued walking straight, he'd meet the main road and take a left to access the front door and residence parking area. But he goes up to the sliding glass door of the main living space, which they've left unlocked. Again, for convenience. And they had been going in the front and keeping the door locked, but were worried that the noise of opening the front door would wake the kids, whose bedroom was just off the front entry. They just used the back slider and like most sliding doors, it only locks from the inside. Of course, they just leave it unlocked. Jerry goes through the door, into the flat, and is surprised the kid's bedroom door seems more open than he left it. They'd only left the door open a bit, but he checks on the kids, he sees them all sleeping, closes the door again, leaving it open just a crack, and I'm assuming tiptoes quietly out so as not to wake them before leaving them alone again in an unlocked apartment in a foreign town. He runs into someone he's met at a tennis lesson and they chat friendly for a few minutes before rejoining the group at dinner. Meanwhile, around 9.15, Jane Tanner goes to check on her kids and on the way she passes Jerry talking to his tennis friend. And up ahead a bit at the top of the road, she sees a man carrying a child in PJs with bare feet. And at the time, she thought it was just a dad carrying a kid home from the kids club, common enough sight on vacation. Okay, so at about 9.20 or 9.30, as Kate is getting ready to check on the kids, as I met Olf and Russell O'Brien. Matt Oldfield offers to go and check on the McCann kids because he was going to check on his kids anyway and he'll be walking right past their end unit to do so. So Kate says, great, thanks. Perfect. So when he returns, he says he saw and heard nothing odd. And he didn't realize at the time that the kid's door being open is odd. He only heard the normal rustle of a kid turning over in their sleep. But he didn't lay eyes on all of the children. Madeline's bed was against the wall where the door was, so he could only see, kind of, see the twins in their cots. But really, he was just listening next to the door for anyone maybe crying. Which so many of us have done, right? Right. Especially if you have kids or you babysat a lot. But they're at that age, all of the kids, especially the the twins that are at that age where they're sort of hard to put to bed sometimes. And so if they've woken briefly and they see you, it's like, game over, man. You're fucking stuck. So Mm. you just listen outside for breathing and sounds like everything's fine and then 
you know, you're all right. And you go into another room in the house or maybe you go sit on your porch or maybe you even bring your baby monitor next door for a glass of wine with a friend. But generally, you don't go down the street for dinner and drinks, leaving children unmonitored when they're at their most foolish and easily harmed. I can think of a dozen ways an unattended child could accidentally die just off the top of my head, right? Like drowning in the toilet, strangling on a cord, choking, Mm. sticking something in an electrical socket, having a piece of furniture fall on her, getting stuck somewhere and dying of positional asphyxiation. I have an anxiety disorder and, you know, grew up with those 80s danger ads. I don't know if you had those in Austria. I'll have to. No. (laughs) There was these all these like public warnings where it'd be like a tea kettle on a stove or something and then all of a sudden it would turn into a snake and it would be like remember i can kill you it was like all these like i'll have to see if we can find them oh yeah they were great i could do this all day but you get you get my point and i wondered and i think i'm not alone in this thought that maybe madeline had died an accidental death while her parents were at dinner and her parents realized that they could go to prison and or lose their surviving children remaining children Mm. if it was found out that they had left the children alone and unsupervised and that's maybe why they covered it up i kept coming back though over and over again to just how hard that timeline would have been yeah a lot of people constantly getting up leaving returning to the table right it just doesn't seem realistic does it if you're out eating dinner with your friends it's like a scene out of benny hill in my mind yeah yeah, there was a right. lot of well, and but that's the other thing as well is the that's one of the problems they had with the timing. I'm always said for the best we can work out is because everybody had a slightly different story, but that seems yeah. to be the the main one. That's a bit expected, right? Yeah, yeah, it's. I don't know. And we'll get into this more later, but I also don't want to forget that there were another five children among the other couples that were there. And the McCann's apartment was actually, I think, the closest to that tapas bar. So while I am certainly coming across as criticizing the McCann's, I have equal criticism in that regard for the other adults on that trip. They were just as irresponsible. It's just that their children didn't pay the same price for it. Right. It. I mean, I get it. They were like, these kids are completely tired and sleeping, or even maybe more than tired, right? Yeah. Well, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. We're gonna get to that. We will. All right. So at around 10 p.m., Kate goes to check the children. Can I just say every time I say check the children, it just reminds me of that babysitting legend, which we just yeah. covered a few <laughs> episodes back. I feel like it's coming back to get me now. But yeah, so Kate goes to see if the children are all right. And she also enters through the unlocked patio door. And she is surprised that the bedroom door is more open than usual. And it also looks like there's more light in the room than usual. And so she starts to walk over to the door and it slams shut. So she opens the door and goes in and is absolutely horrified to see that the shutters are up and the window is open and Madeline is missing. Now, the twins, they're there. There are two uh, travel cots next to Madeline's bed and the twins are each in their cot and they're asleep and unharmed. So Kate frantically searches the apartment to see if Maddie had gotten up and you know, ended up, is she in a closet or under a bed? Did she just wake up in a strange place and fall asleep somewhere else? But no, she's not in the apartment. And so Kate runs to the tapas restaurant yelling, she's gone, they've taken her. Which is so odd, right? Mm Mm-hmm. 
We're going to get into that later. So everybody starts searching and they're searching the apartment again. I think, you know, originally they think maybe she's just wandered off. That's what they're hoping, right? right? So they're just searching everywhere. Rachel Oldfield goes to the flat that Jane Tanner is renting to say that Madeline is missing or that Madeline has been taken. And Jane replies, quote, oh, my God, I saw a man carrying a girl. She's going to do a sketch of this man later. She thought that the child was wearing pajamas that were very similar to the ones Madeline had been wearing. But then, again, it's like a little girl in pajamas Mm. at a distance, walking in the dark. It would be hard to say. Yeah. So, okay, the group is searching, as are others who are staying there, who came outside when they heard, you know, all of that going on and they were calling Madeline's name. So they're hoping she'd woken up and possibly wandered out looking for her parents and would be quickly found. But by 10.15, they ask Matt Oldfield to call the police from the front desk. The twins sleep through all of this, which some people including myself, find very suspicious. And as we said, we'll get more into that later. So the local police are called and they arrive about 10.30. And then around midnight, the detectives uh, known as the PJs are alerted. And when they arrive, they're upset to see there's been no preservation of the scene. People have been all over the place. They were in and out of the apartment. They were touching things. You know, they were looking for the missing toddler. So they, yeah, they turned everything upside down, I guess. And you read differing accounts of the behavior of the McCanns and their friends, but as we've said over and over again, how someone acts in an emergency isn't really the best gauge for their guilt or innocence. Let's always remember that, please. Yes, absolutely. So the detectives search the place immediately, and mostly you hear that they were behaving as if Madeline had just wandered off, or maybe as if that was a robbery, but they didn't act as if she had been kidnapped, even though Kate kept insisting that she had been taken, right? Because that's the thing is they didn't set up any kind of immediate roadblock or amber alert, anything like that. Yeah. So Matt Oldfield, you remember the friend who was also at at the tapas restaurant, he said that he could not say for sure if Madeline had been in the room at all when he checked the kids. And furthermore, he couldn't remember if the window and shutter had been open or closed. That's the thing. Why would he remember? Exactly. Exactly. He didn't know how the setup was when the McCanns left, right? Yeah. The McCanns felt certain that they had locked the window when they arrived, but later on investigation discovered that the cleaners on the property often opened the windows to air out the room while cleaning. So there's pretty much no way to know if the window was locked or not locked, although we'd say that it doesn't matter so much, I think. There was a lot of focus on the windows and the shutter, but honestly, the door was unlocked, so it's much less (laughs) of an important detail than it would have been had the family at least thought they had locked up the place properly. Matt Oldfield would later get a lot of scrutiny from the police because he offered to check the kids and he couldn't remember details about the window and door and how specifically open they were. Probably none of us would remember that, you know? No, I definitely wouldn't. But this means that the last confirmed sighting of Maddie was by her father at around 9pm. The police were very aggressive with Oldfield, but nothing came of it. I think some people continue to think he was somehow involved, but any, I think we... We think it's safe to say he was not, right? Agreed. Yeah, we don't think. I don't think he. Even though this was allegedly the only night the adults had checked other kids previously, they all checked their own kids, but they were possibly feeling more relaxed about it. It had just worked out for six days and this was almost the end of the vacation. So you get a little bit like, eh, what's going to happen, I guess. It's a, Yeah, you get complacent. It's all yeah. been fine. It's it's fine. Nothing's going wrong. Plus, it's, That's always when things happen. It is. Too it really is. Yeah. And, you know... It's like the near the end of the vacation, so I'm sure the parents are looking really looking forward to just having a nice night out with each mm-hmm. other. 
I get it. A lot of people, myself included, did find the way Kate behaved to be very odd. And my initial issue was mostly the fact that, first of all, she apparently immediately believed that that Madeline was kidnapped, right? Immediately believed it. And then if that's the case, and you do sincerely believe that your child was kidnapped from the bedroom that she was sharing with your other two children, why wouldn't you scream from the patio? That's the thing. It seems incredibly odd to me that then you would leave your other babies alone in an unlocked apartment from where your child was just kidnapped from. It's really weird, right? Her behavior is definitely odd, but I also think we all know from personal experience that odd behavior during stressful events is more common than expected behavior. Also, maybe she thought at first that Madeline wandered off and thought that Madeline somehow wanted to make her way to the tapas bar and she ran and didn't see her and that's when she thought, oh my God, she's been taken. I don't know. You know what I mean? Maybe. I don't know. I know, I'm really judgy about these people. (laughs) I'm trying not to I think it's super weird because I think the first thought would be that she wandered off. Yes, that's why it's so strange to me that it seems like her immediate response was, they've taken her. But then again, the only door that was open that was unlocked was the sliding door, right? Would a three-year-old open the sliding door, get out and close the sliding door again? Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think so. That's may- I think- maybe that's why she thought, knowing her kids, that somebody else must have been involved because the door was closed. Exactly. And the window was open, maybe. Yeah, it's yeah. possible. Yeah. So that morning, Madeline had apparently been overheard saying, quote, Mummy, why didn't you come last night when Sean and I were mm. crying? End quote. So it seems like The previous night, between check, Madeline and her brother had woken up and Madeline was asking why their mother had ignored the crying, not realized mommy was having wine at the restaurant across the pool. I'm so judgy about them. I'm sorry. No, I'm not. Um, so is that why they were there checking more frequently, just to be sure that the kids were settled? Or is it possible, did Kate and Jerry give the kids something to help them sleep? Kids allergy Mm. medicine, maybe? That's definitely a thought. There is also some speculation that if Madeline was in fact taken by a stranger, this is the creepy bit, if she was taken by a stranger, did she hear them in the apartment and start crying? The night before? Like, had she scared off a previous attempted kidnapping the night before? But yeah, there's there's just a lot of questions remaining about whether or not the children were drugged and, and if they were, who drugged them? I personally, I think the drugging theory makes a lot of sense because you see that the twins slept through all of this commotion. I yeah. think that's a bit suspicious. So, I mean... Yeah, there is heavy sleeping, especially on vacation when you're outside in the sun at the beach the whole day. But this seems excessive. And Kate McCann had said in several interviews that she thought that possibly all the children had been drugged because the twins were sleeping so heavily during the search and people were coming in and out of the apartment talking, you know, turning on lights, yelling for Maddie. But there weren't any blood samples taken from the twins at the time, so we can't be sure. It's just a theory. Yeah. Also, let's not forget, they are both doctors, right? So Yes, and Kate has a background in anesthesiology. Exactly. She knows all the good night-night drugs. 
in October of 2007 in response to accusations that they were giving the children sedatives, the McCann's attorney produced a lab test showing the twins' hair had been tested and found drug-free. But I'm not sure that over-the-counter products would show up in the system five months later and... Um, yeah, as I said, they're both medical doctors. They would know exactly what to use on the kids. Also, I don't know, I just know it with, with usual drug testing. They don't tr test for all the drugs. Well, that's the interesting thing, yeah. The hair test, it's like, they're usually just looking for, like, cannabis and cocaine, yeah, right? Exactly. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure that unless the McCanns had found a, a nice bottle of yield quieting drugs, I don't think they'd have found anything necessarily, you know, in the kids' system. If all three of the kids maybe could have been drugged, then who would have drugged all three kids when and how? Anyway, at 4 a.m. the next morning, May, that's May 4th, the initial search is called off for the night. All right, so next we need to discuss Robert Murat. He was a man who was living with his mother just up the street, maybe like 150 yards or so from the apartment that the McCanns were renting in the Ocean Club. So the next morning, his mother wakes him up with the news that a three-year-old has gone missing. And so he gets up and he goes and he looks all around their property, like you do, to see if he can find her anywhere. Is she hiding somewhere? Did she fall down? Is she, you know, somewhere on their property? And so while he he's looking around, he gets to talking to a neighbor, because obviously, as you can imagine, this must, all the locals must be, yeah. and we'll post, we'll post, you know, aerial maps, and a lot of you are probably familiar with this, but the Ocean Club in this property in particular was built so that it felt like a part of the town, so it's not like, it's not like a vacation where you'd go away and you're at your resort and you don't ever really meet any locals, mm. right? This is one where it's like nice and blended in as part of the yeah. town, if that makes sense. Okay. So he's chatting with his, his neighbor because, as we said, you would definitely do that. And the neighbor is giving him more information and mentions to him that it seems like there's a real problem in communication, that the McCanns and the local police are really struggling to communicate due to language issues. So Robert is fluent in both English and Portuguese, and so he offers to help. He has a daughter of a similar age back in the UK. He's in the process of going through a divorce, which is why he was staying, visiting with his mother. And so it seemed like he was maybe just in a really difficult place in his own personal life and felt like this was something positive that he could do to help mm. find this missing child, right? Meanwhile, it seems literally everyone is searching. Leave has been canceled for all the police in the region, and they're just hoping that maybe she has fallen down and is, you know, she's okay but maybe she fell and broke an ankle or the yeah. Algarve is apparently lousy with abandoned wells so maybe she's fallen into one and is in a baby Jessica situation or just something with a potentially happy ending there were also roadworks going on and there was this really big deep trench in the area so they were combing that area because maybe she had you know fallen in and couldn't get out again nothing so there's inspector now I'm going to pronounce his name wrong I believe it's Gonzalo, it's probably not. Amaral is his last name. And so let's call him Inspector Amaral. He's the head of the PJ in Port Mau, which is a nearby town. And he became the coordinator for the Madeline McCann investigation. So that same day, the morning after uh, Madeline has gone missing, the McCanns hold their first press conference. Kate is holding on to Madeline's little stuffed pink animal that they called her cuddle cat. This is a real issue, though. 
She slept with that toy every night and it should have immediately been taken and tested for any kind of evidence because if she was taken from her bed, she was holding that at the time likely, but it wasn't. Nothing was tested. And almost all of the evidence in this case, if it was there to begin with, the family and police completely fucked it all up and destroyed it. It was bad. It was a mess. We talk a lot about chaotic crime scenes, but this was... That's nothing that should happen in recent times. It's like an 1800s crime scene, right? It's like the entire village showed up to Mm -hmm. see what was going on. And now, good luck. You've got nothing. You've ruined all of your samples. All right. Before we get any further, let's take a minute for a quick word from today's sponsor, Best Fiends. Best Fiends. Best Fiends is the game everyone is talking about. I love it because it's the perfect break from my research. It's challenging enough because it's a puzzle game, but it's also cute and relaxing and doesn't stress me out. It's made for adults, but with bright colors and fun characters, it will appeal to fiends of all ages. This awesome mobile game is 5-star rated with over 100 million downloads, thousands of fun levels, and tons of super cute characters to collect. There are also new in-game challenges and events happening all the time, so you'll never be bored. You can even play the game without using Wi-Fi. No bandwidth, no problem. Engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters. Trust me, with over 100 million downloads, this 5-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must-play. Download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. All right. The police are upset that the McCanns have decided to go to the media. Let's listen to a little bit of that press conference. Words cannot describe the anguish and despair that we are feeling as the parents of our beautiful daughter, Madeline. We request that anyone who may have any information related to Madeline's disappearance, no matter how trivial, contact the Portuguese police and help us get her back safely. Please, if you have Madeline, let her come home to her mummy, daddy, brother and sister. Okay, so around 4 p.m. on the 4th, the police tracking dogs arrive and they find nothing, which isn't too much of a surprise when you consider how many people were in and out of that apartment and the surrounding area. Finally, they they do notify airports and the Spanish border police finally are notified the next day, late, late afternoon. The day after that, on the 5th of May, the Portuguese police speak to the press and they say they believe Madeline was abducted but is still alive and is in Portugal. The police say that they are looking into sex offenders in the area and they ask anyone with photos of the area in the last two weeks leading up to the disappearance, they want them to send them those photos if there are people in the background of them. Which, that was really impressive to me. It sort of reminds me of, like, a crime procedural, right? Because the manpower for a job like that is staggering. Like, Abby on Mm. NCIS would get that shit done in in that 40-minute episode with a computer, but I don't think it works like that in real life, especially at that time. Maybe now you could scan all those in and use facial recognition. And Robert Murat, he was working with the police now. He was doing translations of any possible sightings and talking to anybody that was on holiday at the same time that they were just to see if they knew anything. And so that was a real help to the police. I also wanted to just mention this happens from time to time in our episodes, but these things are fun, I think. So in the UK, where the McCanns are from, they say holiday rather than vacation. So Christmas is a holiday, but you'd also plan 
on a holiday to America or you're going on holiday to Austria. And a three-day weekend in the UK is a bank holiday weekend. In the United States, holiday is generally used to just describe like a national or religious holiday. So Christmas or the 4th of July are holidays. And then for trips, we say vacation. And a three-day weekend is a is a holiday weekend. The banks don't have anything to do with it. I'm not, I'm sure it was just because banks are closed, right? But um the film The Holiday with Kate Winslet and Cameron Diaz, which is delightful, is about a holiday and a holiday. So I know that there's at least one listener who appreciates my explaining these little different phrases. Just the one. It's just one person. His name is Edwin. He lives in he lives in Wisconsin. What's up, my man? No, no idea. Holiday is also the word we learn because, of course, we do learn English English over here and not American English because we are closer to England than to America, right? Absolutely. Okay, so it seems through all of this, the local authorities didn't trust the McCanns. They found them to be cold and suspicious. And they are not alone in that feeling. If they were reckless enough to leave children that age unattended in an unlocked apartment, what else may they have done, right? So Portuguese authorities don't believe Kate's theory that Madeline was carried out a window. The only prints found on the window are Kate McCann's. They are unhappy that Kate and Cherry immediately went to the press, even though they had asked them not to. I believe the police were worried that if she was being kept by someone, seeing the press footage could have disastrous consequences, even though it's not like the John Benet case where there were you know, th there was no ransom. If she was taken and didn't wander off, then maybe there's a chance that rather than delivering her to a nice family who just wants a child, they'll kill her because there's too much attention, too much press. Yeah, which is a horrific thought. But I also get why the parents wanted it out there because Madeline would, would maybe be a little bit harder for a kidnapper to disguise. Yes. She had a particularly interesting right eye. I believe it's a freckle that makes the lower part of her right pupil look like it sort of bleeds into the iris, like the light blue colored part of her eyes. We'll post a photo if, in case you are one of the few people in the world who doesn't know what, what I'm talking about. But um, I've also heard it's a, I think it's called, I don't know if it's called a coloboma. The late great John Ritter had that, which is actually is a hole in the eye, like in the pupil. But I think in Maddie's case, it was a freckle. Either way, it's very distinctive looking. You would, you would, all you would yeah. have to do if you thought, is that Madeline McCann? All you would have to do is look at her eyes to immediately know. You can't disguise it. Like No, they're not putting contacts into a, yeah. a baby. Yeah. Three-year-old. No. Exactly. Exactly. And a lot of people thought that Kate seemed very, very cold at the press conference and public engagements. And critics are saying that her appeals don't don't ring true with them. She also did things like cry on the balcony in front of the press. And people were saying, oh, look at this media show. She's coming mm. out to cry in front of all of us. But I'm sorry. It could also very easily be not wanting to break down and sob in front of your children. Or your husband, because I'm sure both yeah. of them are trying to keep their shit together, right? And I believe later she was advised not to cry because, and this is awful, if she was taken, the person who had her might get off on seeing Kate's pain. Listen, sometimes you just need a good cry on a balcony. I don't think it's fair to judge that. I agree. I'm thinking of all the locations I already cried, and I'm actually a very much don't cry in public person. Like, seriously. I'm yeah, usually yeah. very controlled, but there have been situations, especially lately, where, you know, it just happens. And as you said, you might not want to do that in front of your kids, for example. 
No, exactly. And I just, I don't judge her for any of this. I I don't like a lot of the things that Kate and Jerry McCann have done, but her behavior at this time to me is not going to be something I yeah. will criticize. Yeah. So in addition to them being upset that the McCanns went to the press, the police also had real issue with the timeline given by the group. They think inconsistencies with the statements from the adults in the group may be because they are all lying and they are helping the McCanns cover something up. So there were a lot of medical doctors in that group and if they'd all given the kids something to make them sleep, meaning all of them giving their own kids something to make them sleep, they could all be in trouble, right? Maybe lose their kids, lose their career. Oh, yeah. So there's mistrust coming from the Portuguese authorities and people, and in return, the McCanns don't think that the local authorities are doing enough. I think that's... We've heard this story like over and over again in yeah. different cases, and I get it. Yeah. It's understandable. If someone you love is missing, would you ever think enough was being done? I don't think no. so. No. As for the Portuguese people, I think a lot of them were upset that the McCanns hadn't been arrested immediately for the negligence in leaving their children unsupervised. And if they weren't well-to-do tourists, they'd have been arrested already. Yeah, and I absolutely understand why locals would have issues with this. I think there was also a lot of understandable upset that this much press and search activity had been happening, but it hadn't taken place for local children who had gone missing. Right. I think there were several cases, several active cases uh, mm -hmm. at the time in the area, yep. right? Or Absolutely. I, I know at least of one. I think there were more. Yeah. So, May 12th, it's Madeline's fourth birthday and it passes with no sign of her. The McCann's apparently asked Kate's mom to help get them in touch with the priest at home. On May 14th, the Portuguese authorities announce they have an Arguido, a formal suspect, and they bring the suspect to the station for questioning. Their suspect was bilingual neighbor Robert Murat. No good deed goes unpunished, right? <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, he was off. He had odd behavior as well. But I th I really think just as you said, he just wanted to do something good with his time there. Yeah. So it seems one of the growing crowd of press had tried to interview Robert, who was helping with the translations, and he declined and also declined having his photo taken. Now, there are many reasons why a person might decline having their photo in the paper. But for some reason, this is seen as suspicious again. And the journalist gives a tip to the police that this behavior and his asking them questions about the case seems a bit iffy. Uh, he was also reported to be seen in the area the night Madeline went missing. But he lives so close, right? I'm surprised that this would even be a credible tip. His mother swears he was home with her all night, you know? So all of this begins a nightmare for Robert. His mother's house and property are searched, the pool is drained, and this is the beginning of his life being turned upside down. It's also possibly why to this day so many people who are local don't want to speak to the police or press. They just want this whole thing to go away. On May 15th, the McCanns set up Madeline's Fund, uh, leaving no stone unturned, limited to raise money and awareness. Its website attracted 58 million hits in the first two days. That's unbelievable. Yeah. And would go on to raise some controversy in terms of how some of that money was spent, specifically that they had met two mortgage payments with the funds donated to find Maddie. Yeah, there's a lot made about that, that they use some of that money to make mortgage payments. But again, I don't have as much of an issue with that because at this time, neither of the parents were working. They'd both taken leave from their jobs, right? And yeah. they're staying in Portugal. They're trying to find their daughter. They're traveling around Portugal and Spain and doing press around Europe. I'm okay with that. I'm glad it wasn't used for their eventual legal expenses. I think that would have been a problem, but they had plenty of wealthy people to back them uh, financially with, with legal and 
PR costs, but I I don't think the criticism of them using some of that money to make a couple of mortgage payments is fair. I see the same way. What we're supposed to do, yeah. they have two other children, should they be homeless? Right. I mean, exactly, yeah. exactly. So on May 26th, Martin and Mary Smith, who were from Ireland and vacationing nearby, tell Portuguese police that they saw a man about 500 yards away from the McCann's apartment carrying a young girl in pajamas towards the beach. They said the girl had light hair and pale skin and was barefoot. They also said the man did not look comfortable carrying the child. And I think that's an important detail. Right? So important. Like, people with kids that age are like secret octopi. I don't know how they do it. Like, I'll watch my friends with like mm -hmm. toddler age children, and they've got a kid and a bag and like all manner of stuff. And they're just, it's fine. Like, no problem at all. Whereas this guy probably walks like I'd be holding a toddler. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, same. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Another important detail is that while some people did come forward um, with information, the staff at the resort weren't questioned for more than two days after she went missing. And a month into the search, there were still a whole bunch of neighbors who hadn't been interviewed, properties hadn't been searched, and neither had empty buildings and apartments. Uh, in the meantime, the McCanns traveled around the European Union to Spain, Germany, Holland. They make a religious trip to Fatima. And at the end of May 2007, the McCanns, who are both devout Catholics, received a formal invitation from the Vatican. And they leave on May 30th in a private jet loaned by a wealthy Englishman for an audience with the Pope. It's the first of many trips around Europe to speak to the press in the hopes of getting Maddie's image and story out to as many people as possible. So they leave the twins in Portugal with their aunt. Again, this upset the local because many or most Portuguese people are devout practicing Catholics. And why doesn't the Pope have an audience with the parents of all the missing children, right? Mm-hmm. Valid complaint. Yep. It's important to note that the apartment they had rented, so apartment 5A, was empty for a month, then rented out to other families a few times before being sealed that August 2007 for more forensic investigation. So there was also a bunch of police sketches done, and one in particular, and I think this is probably the only time in this case where it's allowed to laugh, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> It's Because so in addition bad. to several sketches resembling people, like you would <laughs> expect from a sketch, there is one that literally looks like, um, it's an egg. I mean, it's an egg. It's an egg with a side part of hair. There's not one single facial feature and they put this out there, which I still can't believe they did. It's like, it's an egg. It's an egg with hair. Door to door, they were going to shops and putting it up everywhere. If Saturday Night Live had done this as a skit, the writers have been like, nah, this would never happen. Yeah. It's, it's like, I know some of you, I've mentioned briefly before, I know some of you also watch The Dead Files. I have a million episodes to collect. Long story short, Psychic goes around and takes impressions of things that have happened in the house and what's going on. And she, she works with a sketch artist in every episode to sketch what she's seen happening. And I wish there must be somewhere a video compilation because some of them, you look at the sketch and it's bone chilling. You're like, oh, that's terrifying. And others, hmm. it's like a six-year-old drew something <laughs> with. And I'm like, how are you? a sketch artist and i think it's the same yeah. here it's, it's literally just an oval with hair yeah it's <laughs> it's bad so next uh in june portuguese police do admit that mistakes were made early in the investigation and at this point they are begrudgingly working with police from the uk and i think there was resentment and animosity there from the beginning which is never good for any investigation no 
It's also in June on a press trip to Germany when the McCanns are asked if they had anything to do with the disappearance of their daughter and also a fund is set up to aid in the search for Madeline. And then in late June or early July, they do a release of 300 balloons. And can I take just a second, please, to say one thing about balloon releases? Mm -hmm. Uh, Please don't. You know, same goes for floating lanterns. I understand the sentiment absolutely, especially as a grieving person. Please don't send out plastic trash in the world with your loved ones' names on them. There are so many better ways to do that. Please. Yeah, not judging past actions of anyone, but going forward, just just please don't. And sometimes on Cape Cod, they've actually banned balloons, which I think is smart, so close to the ocean. Now the balloon Mm. lobby's going to come for us. Arm yourselves. (laughs) Push pins. Thumbtacks. All right. Last year on New Year's Eve, there were three women in Krefeld, Germany, and they released floating lanterns. And they're beautiful. I get it. They're so pretty. But they are forbidden in most places, including, I think, Krefeld. And then the lanterns landed on the monkey house in the zoo. And um, yeah, I really want to spare you the details, but it was not good. So please don't. I remember that. That was, yeah... Okay, so on July 30th, 2007, so now it's three months already since Madeline went missing, Eddie and Keeler, they are Springer Spaniels, and my husband loves them, and star sniffer dogs arrive in Praia da Luz. Eddie is a cadaver dog, he's trained to search for the scent of cadaverin or human remains, and Keeler was trained to find human blood, and it's interesting, they can detect very specifically human blood and human remains. So first they went to the apartment at the Ocean Club, where Madeline went missing from, and the dogs both alerted behind the sofa, and Eddie, the cadaver dog, alerted in the wardrobe of the room Kate and Jerry were in. The dogs were walked around the undeveloped land around the resort and down to the beach, but they found nothing outside. And after Madeline went missing, the McCanns rented a house not too far away and they also rented a car. The Peaches had gotten search warrants for the house and car and they were searched on August 2nd. Keeler, who's the blood dog, did not alert of anything. Eddie, the cadaver dog, did alert once when it smelled the cuddle cat, which is Maddie's favorite stuffed animal, remember? Kate had been taking the cuddle cat everywhere with her. You can see it in all the photos and press conferences, I think. The police packed up most of the apartment and brought it to another location where they laid everything out. And when they did this, the cadaver dog once again alerted, this time with some of Kate's clothes. They had an explanation for that. The explanation for that given by the McCann's was that, of course, Kate encountered dead bodies in her job as a general practitioner. Did she, though? This is... I don't know. I think this is the part where myself and I don't think I was I don't think I was alone in this feeling, but I just I started to think that maybe the mm. McCanns did have something to do with their daughter's disappearance. Yeah. I think well, yes, you do encounter dead bodies as a general practitioner. I don't know if it's like in the UK, but here, like when my dad died, the general practitioner was called in to uh check. Oh, well then, so that makes me think differently then, then then I do think that's a lot more possible then, for sure. But still, I mean, how long ago was it that she'd seen a dead person, right? But the dogs, well, we're going to cover the dogs a little bit more in depth, but I think think that they could. So now that you mention that, yeah, it's, it's very possible. That's not done like this in the, in the States, I guess, right? Well, 
You know, I'm honestly not 100% sure how it works. I know when my mom passed away, we were she was at home. And also when April passed away, she was at home. And in both of those cases, we called the hospice nurse when she died. Mm-hmm. And the hospice nurse came and filled out the death certificate. So it was the nurse that did it. It wasn't a doctor. Okay, no, I think here a doctor has to fill it in. Like when my dad was found, an emergency doctor was called in and then the the funeral home director picked him up and then the general practitioner had to drive there to the funeral home and fill out the death certificate and obviously do all the checks. So that's... Okay. Yeah. yeah, no, that makes sense. I think it's different maybe just because my mother's death was expected and the cause was yeah. known, right? Because she had been on yeah, hospice. Yeah. So exactly, I think that may yeah. be the difference. But that does make me think that... It does make me think a little bit more that, oh, maybe... Maybe the cadaver dogs did just smell that something that simple because their noses mm. are that good. Well, we'll get into it more in a minute. I mean, there's more because the police also took the car uh, that they rented more than three weeks after Madeline went missing and they parked it in a car park with other cars spaced far apart. Also in this garage was the car of Arguido Robert Murat and Eddie, the cadaver dog, alerted only at the McCann's car by the driver's door. Keela, who alerts for blood, alerted in the trunk or the boot of the car and in the side pocket of the driver's door where they found the car keys, which were apparently what she was alerting to. And forensic samples in these areas are collected, and the long and short of it is that there is some DNA found, but not enough to conclusively match her. It could belong to a family member. It could especially belong to the twins. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking for a prime DNA spreading population sample, I don't know that you could do better than toddlers, right? Yeah. Like, if you blacklight a toddler, boom, it's like you're at a rave. But (laughs) I... I, (laughs) Seriously, though, toddlers are... Well, it's like puppies. But I did find an article in The Independent entitled The CSI of Death Dogs, Sniffing Out the Truth Behind Crime Scene Canines. It was written by Laura Spinney, and she does a fantastic job of summarizing the other 200 articles I read in a, in a really useful way. So thank you, Laura. We're going to link the article in our sources, of course. And here's some of the most interesting and informative uh, information on cadaver dogs. And this article is also the article that made me really want to have cadaver dogs search my yard. All right. So this is, I'm, I'm quoting the fabulous Laura, uh, I believe it's spinny, not spiny. I'm sorry, Laura, if I got it wrong. Quote, one of the questions surrounding human cadaver dogs is how soon after death they can recognize a corpse and how long a fresh corpse must remain in one place for a dog to detect that it has been there. In a study published last year, the forensic pathologist Lars Oosterhelwig, then at the University of Bern in Switzerland, and colleagues tested the ability of three Hamburg State police cadaver dogs to pick out of a lineup of six new carpet squares the one that had been exposed for no more than 10 minutes to a recently deceased person. Several squares had been placed beneath a clothed corpse within three hours of death when some organs and many cells of the human body are still functioning. Over the next month, the dogs did hundreds of trials in which they signaled the contaminated square with 98% accuracy, falling to 94% when the square had been in contact with the corpse for only two minutes. The research concluded that cadaver dogs were an outstanding tool for crime scene investigation. 
In 2000, freelance dog handler Mick Swindells and his Border Collie Shep, a trained human cadaver dog, were called to a 15-acre field near Nottingham to help locate the suspected grave of a murder victim. Shep signaled in one spot, and the surrounding area was quickly dug, but nothing was found. Later that day, police returned with an informant who identified the grave. Shep had been out by a meter. It transpired that, in digging the grave, the murderer had put his spade through a field drain, causing volatile compounds from the decomposing cadaver to enter the drain. About a meter downhill of the cadaver, the drain was broken, preventing those compounds from dispersing further. The drain had, in effect, separated the body from its scent, and Shep had signaled the dislodged source of that scent, the breakage in the drain. On another occasion, Swindells and one of his dogs were searching a house when the dog signaled. A cache of bones was found beneath the floorboards at that spot, but they were later identified as pig. Pig carcasses are used in training cadaver dogs, but why would anybody hide a dead pig? The dating of the bones gave a clue. They had probably been buried during the Second World War when pork was rationed and penalties for dabbling in the black market were severe. End quote. So I just thought all of that was fascinating. Yeah, it's clear that sniffer dogs are a very, very useful tool. Please do read the rest of that article. It gets more into the specific science of smell. But if those dogs are so accurate, then it's like, how could the McCanns ever explain it away? So one theory is the diaper explanation, and that says that decaying fecal matter would share some of the same sense as a cadaver, but... I looked into this, and it seemed like a good hypothesis, but I couldn't find any evidence to back that part up. But I think your explanation of it could be true that she had that much contact with a cadaver, maybe, but it doesn't explain the car as much in the keys, right? No, there would be needed so much transfer. Also, she went on vacation. So let's say she worked and she had had contact with a, with a body. She would have washed her clothes, new clothes, new, you know, it's... Yeah, I, don't I know. think that I think that even when you do that, though, you can't trip up the dogs because they can find. Yes, you can, but I mean, you go home to your child, you don't snuggle well, your cuddle cat immediately well, when you true. just touch the. You know, it's yeah. just yeah, yeah. I so this is what I think. This is what I think. We think. I think we agree. This is probably what happened with the dogs signaling. So at this point, there had already been a lot of speculation that Kate and Jerry McCann were responsible for covering up Madeline's death right? And then moving the body. And for a lot of people, this evidence really bolstered that theory, myself included. So more specifically, this theory says Madeline died in the apartment sometime that day or evening, and that Kate and Jerry hid her body in a freezer to keep it preserved, and then they moved her body in the rental car three weeks later and hid or disposed of it somehow. And uh, Detective Amaral, the detective who was originally in charge of the case, he was very invested in this theory. And you see him a lot in the Netflix documentary. And so in that documentary, he says, quote, talking about the DNA traces found in the car, let me tell you this. It's important to recognize it as an indication of the possibility that something was transported there. The body may have been hidden in some sort of freezer somewhere and been transported later in the boot of the car and bodily fluids may have dropped from the corpse. As to what happened to the body before that, whether it was decomposed, if it was buried, frozen, probably the most correct conclusion is that it was kept in a place where it could be preserved in the cold, end quote. We'll talk more about Amaral later, 
But looking at this evidence and knowing things weren't searched for a while, it's plausible that maybe they somehow could have found a freezer in an abandoned place close enough to go with no car and put her there and then gone to dinner and drinks with friends and acted totally normal before launching their plan with Kate yelling at rehearse, they've taken her. Yeah, but I mean, you have to have a real... You have to be kind of a sociopath to pull that, right? I know. And we'll talk more about this next week when we get into our personal theories. But I yeah. think now that we understand this better, I think we agree that one of the things that could absolutely make the dogs give a false positive is if their handler subconsciously had feelings about the case and subconsciously done something to make mm. the dog you know, indicate. And I mean very sincerely subconsciously, because we know in addition to police work, dogs can sometimes detect, right? Dogs can detect if you're going to have a seizure or other medical issue. Some Mm. dogs can smell cancer. We just had an earthquake here um, in Massachusetts right off the coast. And that morning, Opus had been acting really strange. He didn't want his breakfast. He kept like our kitchen is J-shaped and he kept cramming himself in the little corner. And we were worried. We were like, is he getting sick? And then an hour later, earthquake. And then he was fine again. So we think he was reacting to the earthquake. I agree. We just talked in our Patreon episode about dogs and how how empathetic they are, what they can feel. And so, yeah, I agree. They could, as you said, on a very subconscious level, somehow given something up. And dogs catch that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think it's possible. Look, a lot of things are possible in this case, right? Sure. If that handler had seen the case on the news, you know, coming from the UK, it have been very hard not to have, I think. And then it's very possible because it's it's not like walking around the field and, you know, is there a body anywhere? Maybe, maybe not. They're looking for very specific things. So Yeah, exactly. And I think that's probably the easiest explanation for what happened there. Yeah. Without in any way taking away from the absolute brilliance of the dog and the dedication and integrity that their handlers have. Of course, yeah. Yeah. So as for Amaral, he was let go six months into the investigation because of how he mishandled it. And he was, um, well, let's say he was not gracious about this and went on to write a book called Maddie, The Truth of the Lie in which he lays out the case for an accidental death and cover-up by the parents. And I think if you're inclined to believe that, the book is very persuasive. That being said, he was sued by the McCanns and lost a half million euro settlement as a result. So that's one theory. And if you believe that the McCanns had done something, this book would strengthen that belief. There's the book and also a documentary you can find on YouTube with a reenactment and everything you want to see. I believe when the McCanns won the suit against him, the book and film were pulled from the shelves as part of the verdict, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I think so too. I know you can find the video on on YouTube, though. I tried to watch it. I didn't get very far. I think I said it before. This is really a case where for almost every point you can play devil's advocate and you can find arguments for or against it, right? I agree. On September 7th, Kate and Jeremy Ken are made former suspects by the Portuguese authorities. So I think that we're going to have to stop now. Yeah. Because next week we're going to cover New Scotland Yard's involvement, some of the main suspects, and um, yeah, where we both stand today with the German police saying they believe they do have Madeline's abductor in custody and believe they know Madeline's fate. We'll go back over the three theories and see where we stand on this absolutely incredibly frustrating and complicated case. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about something good that happened this week. And I think you and I have both had a week. Again? Yeah. We're fine. Don't worry. (laughs) 
some maniacal laughter. The thing that's good this week that we're both very grateful for, apart from you, our amazing listeners, is that it looked very promising that there are two vaccines for the coronavirus that are, are really showing a lot of promise. So we're both really, really grateful for that. Once we get a vaccine out there, we'll, we'll be able to finally travel and, and meet each other. So it's something to look yes. forward to. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much for listening, for the kind words that you send us and the reviews that you leave. It just, it really means the world to us. I think you know that by now. So you can find everything on our website, how to contact us, where to find us, where to find our merch store, our Patreon if you're interested. So go to www.freshhellpodcast.com. There you find all the links. Or you go to Patreon directly and search for Fresh Hell Podcast. We'll show right up. And also uh, come join our Facebook group. It's lovely. We would love to have you there. The Facebook group is, it's the best place on Facebook right now. Definitely. We have the coolest listeners. We really do. It's a delight. It's an absolute delight. Please say hi to all of your pets. We love them. We miss them. Wouldn't it be funny if we had a live show and we were somewhere it was like, bring your pet and it was just a fucking nightmare of like cats and dogs and <laughs> I mean, I'd love it, but wow, that'd be hard to manage. Who's got a big barn we can borrow? All right. We love you. We really do. Until next week, if you are also going through hell, keep going. Tschüss. Bye. Bye.